0: Good morning, family. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. It is time to praise the Lord. So, we want you all to just stand to your feet and worship with us. Praise the Lord.
1: you pray with me? Good morning, Father. Thank you for this new day. You formed the mountains, created the wind, and reveal your thoughts to mankind. You bring out the starry host and call them each by name. Yet because of your great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You are the Lord our God. You take hold of our hand and say to us, do not fear, I will help you. What is it, Father, that we think you cannot do? Forgive us, Father, when we forget who you are, sovereign, gracious, merciful, compassionate, and abounding in love. Reveal our sin to us. Help us confess our faults and failures. Let us kneel before you with a contrite heart, ready to be healed and renewed. We thank you for the life of your precious son, Jesus whose sacrifice makes us reconciled and holy before you. Jesus, the firstborn, who withheld nothing from us, but gave everything to us. Thank you, Father. We pray for the leaders of this world, that they would seek you and your wisdom to rule with justice and mercy. We pray for those who have felt forgotten, for the trafficked, the hungry, the homeless, and the lonely, May we seek to be an instrument of your hand to serve others. We pray for the tired and the burned out, for our essential workers, our educators, our healthcare workers, for our pastors, all who have been asked to carry the weight in an ever more divided and critical world. As followers of Jesus, let us express compassion in a harsh world. Father, we pray for our church and community that we be a source of light and support that we would love our neighbors as you have taught us without judgment or criticism, but speaking your truth in love. Thank you for Pastor Steve's message. Thank you for how you will teach us and guide us. Thank you that you choose to reveal yourself to us through your word, through others joined in fellowship and during quiet times in prayer with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: Good morning. My name is Laura Georgiakakis. I'm a member of La Jolla Community Church and I'm also the teaching director of the community Bible study class that meets every Thursday. This year we'll be studying the books of Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers in a study called From the Red Sea to the Jordan River. And it's the story of how God leads us out of captivity and through the wilderness and into his promised land. I hope the women of La Jolla Community Church will consider joining us. We'll meet Thursdays from 10 to 12, beginning September 15th. We have both Zoom groups and in-person groups, and we have an evening group if you work during the day that meets from 6.30 to 7.30 on Zoom also. This is a great opportunity for us to draw closer to God, to get to know Him better, which is the purpose for which He gives us His Word, and also to draw closer to one another and to get to know each other better. We have a postcard that gives you all the information you need about how to register, when and where we meet, and who to contact for more information on this uh, study. But don't hesitate to grab me also if you have any questions. We'd love you to join us. We meet through the school year from September to May, and it's a great chance for us to draw nearer to our God.
1: Well, good morning once again. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we uh, Just a couple of quick announcements on your way inside. You should have received a bulletin on both, which you'll find a Connect card and a prayer card. They're directly on back of each other, and you can tear it right off. If you're visiting us for the first time today, welcome. We'd encourage you to fill out the Connect card, and uh, we'll get you connected with the church. We also uh, would love for you to fill out the prayer request card. And uh, we can go ahead and pray for you next or this week. Let us know if you have any any praise requests or praise reports or praise requests. After the service, you can drop these cards off along with any tithes or offering envelopes right outside in the foyer in the boxes. And now I'd like to invite Pastor Steve.
3: Thanks, Jenna. Well, good morning to you, good morning to everybody watching all around the world uh, on ships out in the sea, satellites, space stations, wherever you're watching today, we welcome you. Glad you're here for worship uh, on this beautiful fall weekend, almost. Later today, it'll be a beautiful fall weekend. I hope you're having a good one so far. Last week, I asked you the question, what season are you in? What season of life are you in? Uh, We're all in different seasons of life, and yet we're all together in a season of this church's life. So it's interesting how those things overlap, right? In a household, you can all be in different seasons of life and yet be in the same season together as a family. So I want to take that question and move it a little bit more uh, close to home, and that is, where are you in the story of your life? Where are you in the story of your life? Uh, A life uh, is a story, uh, it's not just a series of events, uh, it's a story with a plot. This, this, and this, and this, and this happened, that's a, that's, a, that's a story. But a plot added to a story makes life interesting. So where are you in yours? Are you at the beginning of something? Are you in the middle of something? Is this the hardest season of your life? Are you wondering, I don't know how we're going to make it uh, at whatever level, economically, relationally, etc. Where are you in the story of your life? Are you uncertain and you've been uncertain long enough that you're insecure? You're feeling like, I don't know, I'm I'm feeling very lonely, very isolated, don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Uh, Maybe you're young enough that you can call your mom and say, Mom, help, Dad, give me your advice. Maybe you're old enough that they're 90 and you're still doing that. That's a good idea. (laughs) Call anybody you need, if you need help, to figure out your story. But this is a very big, big question. Where are you in the story of your life? Where will God meet you in that story if you're open to that? This is the amazing thing. That God is with us at every uh, line, uh, every paragraph, every chapter in the story of our life. And that's what I want to talk about today. Who is God? Who is the God who says, uh, I've written a narrative and you have a part in it. You have a a role to play because you are a precious character in this narrative that I, I have initiated Uh, You could make the case that it's the only bestseller worth reading. So I love stories. I hope you love stories too. Um, Netflix was a great resource during COVID, wasn't it? Netflix uh, became the font of all stories. Uh, If you've never binge watched anything, you probably binge watched Netflix. Uh, Have you seen Lupin, L-U-P-I-N, Lupin about this, uh, uh, it's a French show the only only French, only European show that Netflix took on several years ago at the beginning of uh, uh, COVID. Uh, It's a game changer in terms of series. Uh, You cannot watch Lupin once. It's like eating a potato chip or a piece of popcorn. Once you start watching Lupin, L-U-P-I-N, you're hooked. Uh, Some friends right now are riding bikes in in Burgundy. Before they left to go to France, we happened to see them and said, oh my gosh, you're going to go to France. Have you seen Lupin? They said, what the heck is Lupin? They said, well, it's this series on Netflix. And they said, yeah, not really. We're, we only, we're only, you know, we, two days we're leaving. So now we'll watch it when we get back. I said, you've got to watch it before you go. Watch one episode before you go. Oh, okay, fine. So they said, uh, tomorrow, you know, we'll, we'll watch an episode. I, I just thought, okay, when is it, when are they probably going to be watching it? And I, I text them. How's the second episode going? <laughs> And their text was, no way, we're watching the second episode. Actually, we're watching the third episode right now. And the next day, the, the night before they leave for Paris, we've watched all 10 episodes of Lupin. We're ready. We're ready for Paris. Uh, it, like, this story has nothing to do with their story, but it's this compelling story. And that's how COVID was. We were absorbing, ingesting. We were just uh, immersed in stories. Uh, and Zoom is not a story. Zoom-in is an interruption of, of, of watching these stories. Maybe you're a reader and you read, 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 read. Maybe you are a person who likes to walk and not read, but you like to listen. You listen to books. Uh, powerful stories, right? What's your favorite story? What are your favorite stories? Good stories move us to feel deeply and reflect on our life. And they come in all kinds of packages, don't they? Uh, spoken stories. Uh, isn't there, is there nothing more fun than sitting around with a family telling the same worn-out stories and jokes over and over again and still laughing and finding you, you get more connected because of it. Uh, we tell stories now that made our girls cry when it happened. Uh, like the time we were sitting in a little roadside place getting a burger and we're talking and Megan, who at the time was you know, in elementary school, early elementary school, is having her burger and, it's not, and, and she, for some reason she takes the patty out and just sticks it on my arm. <laughs> we all start laughing. Like, Megan, what are you doing? And she starts crying. And we said, Megan, Megan, we're, we're laughing with you, not at you. She goes, Well, I'm not laughing. <laughs> we laugh about that story now. You know, she's just turned 30, so we can laugh about it now. It wasn't funny then. Think of the stories, the spoken stories that you don't mind hearing over and over and over again. And every story is better if somebody telling it has an accent. Because they get all animated, and they're speaking, and their accent becomes stronger, and it's just the most wonderful thing. Novels are great stories. Some people disparage novels. I would say if, you're not, if you haven't read a novel, if you're not reading a novel, you're missing a big chunk of understanding your own story. Well, how could that happen? I mean, I can't even pronounce those Russian names. I can't keep the, cha- the, 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 the characters in order anymore. No, just read the stories, and you're, you'll see your story, right? You read a novel, you'll see your story. Uh, biographies, powerful, film, amazing, poetry, uh, song, what are your favorite stories? Will you allow them to help you feel deeply and reflect on your life thoughtfully? Let me ask you this personal question. Have you ever cried reading a book or watching a movie? Janet has. (laughs) If we're watching a movie and it's really moving, we just can't look at each other. Because it'll be like, boo you know, so I'm like, just hold it together until you get to the, you know, <laughs> the next part of the movie. But it can move you to tears. You can be moved to tears watching a movie. Somebody else's story, for crying out loud. Reading a book, it, it, it evokes and provokes something in you. Reading about this person, what they're going through, and your heart breaks. Why? It just happened maybe a long time ago. It's because you know what that's like and the older we get the more prone we are to tears it's not a defect it's it's a design feature of maturity because the older you get if you can't laugh more easily or cry more easily you're you're holding something in that needs to be able to come out powerful the power of laughter and tears through compelling stories they can be simple stories too they don't have to be complicated Um, has a poem made you cry? Now most people don't even read poetry anymore. If your kid says, good news, I got into Stanford, and awesome news, I got into the poetry program. You're thinking, no, no. It's called STEM, STEM. Get the tattoo if you're going to and it says STEM. Science, technology, you know, you don't want poetry. And yet poets move the world. Uh, have you ever heard of an old poem? This is a, a poet, uh, Robert Service, early part of the 20th century. He, he goes up to the Yukon. He starts writing all these amazing poems. Many of them are very wickedly funny. The cremation of Sam McGee, the shooting of Dan McGrew, all these other poems. He, he decides to leave the Yukon. Now he's made a fabulous amount of money writing these stories. And he moves to Europe. <clears throat> because he has the asthma, he can't fight in the military. So he, he signs up as an ambulance driver. And he starts writing all these stories of things he sees and hears, one of which is called The Ballad of Jean Dupre. I guarantee if you read this poem, it'll move you to tears about a young boy in a small village in France who is forced to make the most difficult decision of his life. Uh, it was set to music uh, by an American uh, artist, and it's a nine-minute song. The guy said, for the first several years I played this in concerts, I couldn't stop weeping. <laughs> but you wrote the song, I know. It's a poem. The songs make you cry. Songs themselves can make us cry. But then songs can also prompt memories that move us and make us cry. Right? Powerful, powerful, powerful. Maybe you've heard the name uh, Harlan Howard. Probably not. Harlan Howard. Isn't that a great name? Harlan Howard. If he was a blues singer, he'd call, he'd call himself Howlin' Howard, you know, Howlin' Howard. But he's Harlan Howard. He grew up in Michigan. Uh, do they have music in Michigan? I'm just wondering. If Monica, is there music? Is it Minnesota, Wisconsin? Okay. But Michigan. And he listened to the Grand Ole Opry in Michigan. And as a kid, he loved it. It would move him deeply, so much so that he grew up and became a songwriter and moved to L.A., and then moved to Nashville, and he's written so many songs for so many people. He's a guy that came up with the definition of country music, three chords and the truth. If you've ever heard that, that's Harlan Howard, three chords and the truth, and you know every country song sings the truth. It tells you about things that are funny or wacky, but deeply moving, and you think, how do these people do it? They're telling a story in a song. Art tells stories. Uh, If you haven't, seen Jana's book. Uh, she and Natalie Portman did this book where it's a children's story, but, but the, the illustrations uh, carry that, that storyline. The illustrations that Jana came up with are so moving, so beautiful, and, and they're compelling, and they tell a story. They help a story be told. Maybe is another way of saying it. Fiction. This is a, this is a remedial pop quiz for you. What is fiction? Uh, fiction is an, invented, <clears throat> is an invented story created to make a point about life. That's why novels matter. <clears throat> That's why most films and songs matter. They're not factual, but they're true. Good fiction is true, but not factual. And <clears throat> the more we read these kinds of stories to our kids and the more that we read them, the more the truth prepares us to understand life better. Nonfiction. Uh, are stories that are true and factual. So uh, to me, nonfiction is the best. Because when you find a story that's truly compelling and has great art, and you think this should be a movie or could be a movie, and it's true, oh my. It takes you to another level. The Diary of Anne Frank, it would be awesome if it was just a, non, if it was just a fictional thing about World War II. But because it's true and it's factual, it moves you ever more deeply. Maybe you have heard of um, the woman Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom. Uh, when I was a brand new believer I was sitting in this church, uh, a long haired kid uh, you know, trying to figure out what it meant to be a follower of Jesus and this little old lady gets up and she starts talking and telling her story. I had no idea who she was. And I'm listening to her story and I talked to her afterwards and I said that was amazing. She said yeah well God really met me there and I know he's going to meet you and your story. And only years later did I figure out, you know, who she was. And because it was a true story, it was that, that much more moving uh, in my life. Uh, how about um, <clears throat> Laura Georgia Georgiakakis, who just did the announcement? She has a book. Um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful autobiography. I love it. I've read it twice. It's called The Words We Left Unsaid. I think you can get it out in the patio. The Words We Left Unsaid, profound, beautiful story about her experience in life, but her family and... and um, and I'll give you one little tidbit, one little teaser. You've know, you heard the word maverick. Maverick. A guy called me up a couple years ago and said, hey, we just, our new baby was born. I said, congratulations, what did you name it? We named him Maverick. I said, oh, really? Do you know that that is Peter, Georgia great, 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 great grandfather. That's Maverick. No way. I played water polo with Peter at Bishop's. Yeah, we'll call him up and ask him. This story is amazing. Words we left unsaid. My favorite story is the truest story ever told the story of God coming to save the world he created. It's nonfiction. It uses lots of different genres, but it's nonfiction. It's true and it's factual. And the first time I picked it up as a 17 year old and started to read it so I could defend myself against crazy Christians, it drew me in. I thought, what is going on here? I've never heard anybody talk about this story. I, I went to church a little bit, Protestant, Catholic as a kid. I, I knew people would fight about religious stuff. Uh, I had a front row, ringside seat of my own house. And a lot of my friends went to church and it made no difference in their lives that they or I could tell. And it turns out nobody was actually reading the Bible, just arguing about it. But I started reading it, and I realized this is the greatest story I've ever read. And to this day, I've read a lot of stories. Uh, It's the greatest story. I keep reading this story. It keeps taking me deeper into understanding the nuances of it. But a little tiny kid can get the story at first go. And you can live the rest of your life plumbing the depths of that story saying, it's the same story, but maybe it's getting better, or I'm just growing wiser about how to understand how beautiful and powerful it is. So I want to give you uh, three points in the truth, not three chords in the truth. Let me give you three points Focusing mainly on scripture, uh, as we talk about this idea who is God and how does he have any right or authority or capacity to write a story that includes us and somehow rewrite, improve on our story? Some of you sitting in here are editors. I know one for sure. Trisha Hedman is a professional editor, and she uh, is one of those people that makes everybody's story better. I have never met, I've known a lot of people who've written books and, and some of them best selling. They would say, the book was awesome when it left me, and I realized how awful it was when the editor got a hold of it. And the editor made my book sing. And so this is what God does. He initiates the story, and when we don't get it right, he will edit it right. So the first point, as we explore Jesus, we discover that we are in a story about God. When I first started reading the Bible, I thought I was reading a story about a guy in a musical who was a superstar, And then I realized every notion I had about this person, Jesus, was different than what I was reading. And different in the sense of, this is way better. As you know, often when you see a movie, you go, that was great. You read the book and you say, hey, this book is even better. You had to leave a lot of stuff out in the movie. As we explore Jesus, we discover that we are in a story about God. And the writer of Hebrews, uh, one of these books, uh, letters in, in the New Testament, second half of this big story of God, says it this way, right up front, as he, as he opens up the, the letter, he says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Now, as as a non Jew living in the 20th century, this is interesting, but it doesn't make as much sense as it would if you were a Jew in the first century reading this thing oh my gosh, what? I gotta rethink everything I thought I knew. Mark, uh, that young kid who ran away when Jesus was arrested in the garden. He ended up writing a gospel influenced by his cousin, Peter. And he starts it this way because he's living in the Roman Empire now. This is you know, 30 years uh, later than when he first encountered Jesus through, the, through his relationship with Peter. And meanwhile, Caesar has been presented to the Roman Empire as the son of God and his birth is good news and he's the savior of the world. And Mark has the temerity and the audacity to write a very provocative opening to his story. He says this the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He may as well have rented a billboard or a plane to fly over, like they do the cove where it says Coors, you know, or something like that, that said, not Caesar. Caesar is not the Son of God. Caesar is not the Messiah, the Anointed One. Caesar is not the great hope for. The good news is not that the Romans rule. And so Jesus' claims in character and resurrection is my starting place for answering this question, who is God? Well, isn't it kind of silly if you're trying to understand God to start with Jesus? Well, if Jesus did what He said He was going to do, and He did, And if he said things that nobody could ever challenge for being hypocritical or false, and if everything he did was so unique to what would be like watching God, healing people, miracles, if his incredible justice and love and courage and compassion was what it seemed to be, and then he was crucified, buried, and rose again from the dead, not a bad place to start. Let's just get him out of the way so we can then dismiss the whole thing. But as soon as you start looking at his claims and the character that supports those claims and the resurrection that reveals his larger identity, you're in a big quandary. He becomes an unavoidable problem or an unavoidable point in your story or an avoidable entrance to the better version of your story. What we see is that he proclaims and teaches and demonstrates not only the person of God, but the power of God. Everything about him is godlike. Now maybe you've met some godlike people. I guarantee if you follow them off stage, they're not so much godlike anymore. You can follow Jesus anywhere and you say he's still consistently godlike. He's not on, he just is. Somebody asked me one time, is it hard being on all the time? I said, well, I don't, I can't be on all the time. I don't have the capacity, the endurance, or the patience. I just can't be on. I have to be me. And it's not always pretty. Jesus was always Himself. He was never on. He was just present. And proclaiming and teaching and demonstrating uh, this good news, this, this message from God. And we see that He is intensely personally relational. He's not just a messenger saying, Hey, here's the message, don't bug me with the details. John was the messenger. Jesus was the message. Again, getting your head around this, it's it's like, okay, wait, how? I don't understand this. But he's relational in all that he does. We see all things were created through him. That's a relational thing. He created it for us, to include us. He's the sustainer. Why is he sustaining the world? Because he's personally invested in it. He's the Redeemer. That is, He wants to bring us back into relationship. He's the Savior, intensely personal. He wants us to know Him and be known by Him. He's the Lord. He cares about those under His care. And we find out that He's a friend. He's a friend? Yeah. I no longer call you servants, He told His disciples. I call you a friend. And so we're confronted and confounded with this unavoidable claim that Jesus Christ is God. So that's the first point. It sets us up for the second point in this. Uh, in Christ, we grow in the knowledge of God. We have access, full access to the knowledge of God. If you've ever had full access to a, with a, via a backstage pass, it's fantastic. Until you get back there, you realize it's just backstage. There's never been a backstage invented that's worth visiting. I can tell you that. I've been privileged to be backstage at some different big events, and once you get back there, you go, uh, there's no there there. All the action is out front. I'd rather go sit in the great seat that I had that I just gave up so I could stand backstage and watch the guys pulling levers. And you you talk to somebody going by, and you go, the best thing I saw was the back of the people I came to see or talk to. And so backstage is no fun. But full access is awesome. To be able to hang out and talk uh, with the person that you were trying to focus on. Because somehow they connect you to what is meaningful in your life. So in Christ, we grow in the knowledge of God who came into the world and who gives us full access. Full access that does not disappoint. This is it. But rather, ah, oh, this is it. So we see Paul, uh, arguably, this is a whole other sermon. Paul, arguably, and, and nobody will, not nobody, this doesn't get much press. Paul, with no hyperbole, was probably one of the t- t- top intellects in the first century. You've heard of Plutarch and all these other poets and politicians and writers. Paul was no slouch. Paul was literally one of the um, smartest and most educated, most learned, most articulate people in the first century. We just think of this crazy guy who was persecuting Christians, meets Christ on the road to Damascus this vision, and then becomes a fo- follower of Jesus. Finally crucified, um, as, was, as was Peter by Nero in about 64 AD. We think, oh yeah, Paul. I heard somebody say uh, recently, well, you know, the only thing we know about Jesus and the Christianity is, is through the Bible. Like That's a big dismissive kind of like, we can take that out, just one book. One book, it's about God. And if he's God, one book is all it takes. And the person who wrote a big chunk of that, Paul, is to be taken seriously Think of any, any, anything that you know a lot about. Let's say you know a lot about science, and somebody said, oh, I was going to have lunch, with it was Francis Collins, just Francis, with Stephen Hawking. You go, what, what? Stephen Hawking and Francis Collins want to have lunch with you? Yeah, but it's just them. Go, no, no, you don't understand. It's not just another scientist. It's them. And that's what it's like having this full access to God. So Paul then writes this. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives Now he's writing to Jews and primarily Gentiles. Gentiles, people who are not included, but now are included. Gentiles were used to hearing that God might put up with you or he might squash you like a bug, but now we're hearing that God who made all things and knows you intimately loves you and forgives you. And offers you full access into His presence. What? I thought it was for those Jewish people. And even they argue about it. No, it's for them and for you. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son, listen to this carefully. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. And I wish I had time to unpack this more. Firstborn doesn't mean he was created like a person. Firstborn meaning he's the, he's the first, he's the best, he's the top. In the order of everything, he's the one who inherits it all. He's in his own category, a category of one. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is the big question of physics, answered in Jesus, who holds it all together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Why? Well, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. How could God, who is you know infinitely powerful, be squeezed into a person? Because this is where the mystery gets very tantalizingly attractive because it was God himself who came into the world. He was simply being himself in the world he created. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I wish we had more time to unpack this. It brings us to the third point. If the first point is that as we explore Jesus, we discover that we're in a story about God, and that secondly, in Christ we can grow in the knowledge of God, the God who came into the world, And the third point is this, in Christ we are rooted and strengthened and filled with gratitude to God. Again, uh, Paul says in in the next chapter of this letter to the Colossians, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Again, we, should, we will unpack this in the months ahead, but human depravity, that is our capacity to rationalize that we are God, not God, is God, that we are that we know better than God. That's human depravity. We have a capacity. As good as some people are, we have the capacity to be fully evil. But all along the way, we are complicit in this great denial and rationalization against God. Add that to spiritual intervention. You have an enemy. It's not people. It's a spiritual, not just a force, uh, but in the the Hebrew, uh, it says uh, the Greek, the Satan, Satan. These things collaborate and conspire to rob you of that full access, to confuse you about your worthiness because of Jesus' death on your behalf. That's what Paul's saying here. That depends on human tradition, human complicity, not on Christ. Christ breaks that up, Christ destroys that, Christ overwhelms that, Christ writes over that a better story. So let me say this, if you're a writer uh, some of you are writers here. I mentioned a couple already. If you're a writer, you're familiar with the term "inciting incidences." Uh, if you study literature, if you study screenwriting, uh, uh, inciting incidences, um, the Bible documents a series of inciting incidences. Uh, God created the world, and it was beautiful. Uh, human beings disobeyed God. And it was not beautiful. Uh, and these reveal the plotline of the Bible. Uh, inciting incidences are the events shaping a narrative and everybody involved in the narrative <clears throat> An inciting incidents would be um, <clears throat> last year for my birthday asked Jen, I said you know what I'd really like uh, is, is um, something that goes super fast say from zero to shiny it goes super fast from zero to 200 in, in seconds she said great she gives me a scale <laughs> and that's when the fight started a friend of mine is super stingy, has no EQ, and so for his fifth anniversary recently, his, his wife said, I really want to go someplace expensive in La Jolla. He said, great, good, so he's on it. I said, well, how'd he go? He goes, well, not not what I hoped for. I said, what happened? He goes, well, I took her down to the Chevron station on La Jolla Boulevard. What? The, the Chevron station? Yeah, really expensive. The gas is outrageously expensive there. I'm like, no, no, tell me it's not true. An exciting incidents, you know, that's when the fight started an inciting incident is that thing that when it happens, it kicks in to play something else. Sometimes it's phenomenally wonderful. The inciting incidents. Uh, I know somebody this week literally who got their dream job. Against all odds, they felt they got this job that's amazing, truly. The inciting incident, right, was reaching out to apply for the job. Now, your life is filled with these, as is the Bible. Pay attention to them. In the Bible, they would include creation, fall, redemption, Christ's return in glory, judgment, a new united heaven and earth. These are the inciting incidences in your life. As you think back about your life and think, oh, if I'd only not done that, if my parents hadn't done that, if my grandparents hadn't done that, or thankfully my mom and dad did this, or this happened to me, or I chose this path. As you reflect about those inciting incidences, the ones that make you feel trapped, or the ones that make you feel so blessed, or you might say, I'm lucky, Invite God into those, to review the ones you say. Well, had I not been raped, had I not been abused, had I hadn't been abandoned, had I not been chosen to be part of this program that very few people get to be, I wouldn't be who I am today. Invite God into whatever they are—horrible, horrible, horrible, wish they never happened experiences—or the ones that you say I couldn't, I didn't manage or maneuver that. That was a total gift. Invite God to walk with you. And, and to renew you in the midst of those experiences. You can't erase them, but you can heal them. You might say, I can't even improve on it, because this thing I've, I've been blessed with is so great. Yes, it can be better. It can be better because you'll start to understand the power of it in you, and what God, how, how God wants to use it in you and through you. So these reveal God's person, and God's plans, and God's purposes. These inciting incidences in the Bible, and the ones also in your life. Just as these reveal the plot line of the Bible, they reveal the plot line of you. And the world wants to beat you down to where you say, I I give up. Okay, I'll just go with the flow. Go along to get along. So everyone in this room and in this world is part of a bigger and better story written by God. That's not hyperbole. It's simply the facts as presented in the truth of Scripture. Years ago, a musician friend of mine, he was, uh, he's, he, he's dead, and that and was a tragic thing that led to his death. He was one of those amazing people, literally everybody who ever heard him play on, on, on an album or live would say, how many people are playing that guitar? It always sounded like two people playing. And where he lived in the Bay Area, people, anybody, big deal musician coming through town would say, I want Gary to play this gig with us. He was just amazing. And uh, uh, he, he, God used him in some great ways in my life. But he wrote a song, uh, this is three chords in the truth again, and, and, and this is what he says, now if you ask me what I think of all the things he's done, he's talking about Jesus, and of all the miracles, just to pick out one, I think maybe I'd say to you, as far as I can see, of the miracles I can't explain, so, he loves someone like me. Yeah, I I think I would say to you, as far as I can see, of the miracles I can't explain, he loves someone like you and me. And so we're going to be exploring that story in Alpha and Rooted. Uh, When we finish here with a blessing, and if you want to go get prayer in the prayer garden, uh, immediately after that, go get something to eat. We want to feed you. Your kids are going to be well taken care of. Get your kids to eat, and then... um, Put them back in the, the program. They're going to have a great time. Then come back. Uh, either go sign up for Rooted or sign up for Alpha. Alpha is very low commitment. Come back in here if, if you, if you want to do Alpha. And it's this brilliant thing. 20 million people have seen it, plus 20 million people. Um, it came, comes out of the UK. It's an amazing thing, uh, the Alpha course. And uh, we've done it before, and it's just brilliant. So we're going to come back in here, watch a video, and then just reflect on it. Nobody's going to tell you what to think. We're just going to say... What did you think? Uh, and then we're going to do Rooted also at the same time. Rooted is a, uh, and we're going to do this for 10 weeks. Likewise, there's a 10-week uh, series called Rooted, which is a bigger commitment. You, you can only miss two of the 10 weeks. So if you can't do all 10, or can't do eight of the 10, just come to Alpha. If you don't know anything about Jesus, Alpha's perfect for you. If you know a lot about Jesus, Alpha is actually perfect for you. But Rooted is a, is a, is a, a deeper discipleship uh, dive into what it means to walk with Christ. Um, let me just review the Rooted concept so you understand what you're getting into. Rooted is a Christ-centered, content-rich discussion um, conversation with God and about seven other people. Uh, There's homework required between Sundays. It takes you several hours to do the homework and then you come back and talk about it with your group the next week. That's why we say if you're doing community Bible study or something like that and you already have homework, just come to Alpha. Don't go to Rooted this quarter. We'll do it another quarter. And and these assignments are not just assignments, they're appointments with God. Uh, You get a study guide, uh, which in my opinion is like a spiritual version of the Super Bowl, the World Series, you know. Uh, It's just a brilliant map of, hey, here's what it looks like to walk with Christ. Uh, and, And you're just basically committing to a personal journey of honest reflection and growth. It's confidential, whatever you share in the group stays in the group. Uh, and ultimately, what you, f- you find in the process is that you're being commissioned by God to be His partner in His work in the world. You can, you can figure that out. Uh, but that's where it leads you. So Alpha, uh, meeting here, Rooted, um, I think they're meeting in the Welcome Center. If you want to sign up for Rooted, you can go out to the table and sign up. Alpha, just come in and, and be part of this. The story that you've lived can be a better story as you live. <laughs> Even if you're in Christ, he wants to continue writing this story in you. If you think I've come to a place where I know it all and I've seen it all and I'm just sort of bored and I'm plateauing, I'm waiting for Jesus to return, uh, you're wasting your time. Wasting your time in the sense that he wants you to live fully because he's here in his Holy Spirit. And yes, he will return in glory. Maybe in our lifetime, maybe not. But he says, be ready. Be ready means you're going to show up for Alpha or for Rooted or Community Bible Study or something that keeps you fresh and renewed and in play. And as soon as you get complacent, that's when your story starts to fall apart. You know this from every movie you've seen, every book you've read. Some of those inciting incidences are when the the protagonist says, this is awesome, it couldn't be better. And you're seeing what's shaping up. You're going, no, no, no. And the music reinforces it. You know, and, and you think, oh, no, you're complacent. Every game show I've ever seen when they, when they interview the person before it ends and they'd say, what do you think? I think I got this in the bag. You know they're going down. right? Don't be complacent because complacency is the next step before a massive crisis. Be present to Christ and whether the crisis comes or a big beautiful breakthrough comes, He is with you and for you. That's the story He's writing in you in this season of your life. So Lord Jesus, I thank you that we get to be barred of this grand narrative, this big story that you have initiated and you're editing that you've written us into, that's deep in plot with fully formed characters. I thank you, Lord, that we get to participate in this. It's true, it's factual, and it's good because you're at the heart of it. I pray for each one here, those who don't know you that perhaps today they would say, okay, Lord, I'm opening my mind to you, my heart to you what's next? I'm praying for those who have been walking with you for a long time and are feeling weary that you'd revive and renew them. I'm, I'm praying, Lord, for those who are growing in their faith and there's so many questions. I pray that you'd start to give them and continue to give them the answers to those questions through Alpha, through Rooted, through their own personal Bible study. I pray that, Lord, rather than this be just a private personal project for each of us, that you would be shaping us into a community, a community that has an impact, a deep social impact in this world that so desperately needs it. So I thank you and praise you, and we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's wrap up worship. This is a time of offering, as in offering you to God. If you want to contribute financially, you can put some money in the box or mail it in or sell your home, whatever. Um, But um, this is offering you to the Lord in in worship as we wrap up, and I'll get back up and, and offer you a final blessing.
0: God, that is who you are. You are, we make miracle worker, promise keeper, night in the darkness.
3: Petition is the mother of all good students. We sing over and over and over again. We review again and again. Why? So that we can learn it. So it moves from our head to our heart. Let these words resonate in you. Let that promise, even if you're not feeling it, even if it's not all clear, He's at work in you, writing a better story in you. This is the God who calls us to trust Him and to walk with Him, to be rooted in Him, the great Alpha and Omega. This is Jesus, who is God. If we can pray for you, go right around the corner to that beautiful prayer garden. There'll be people there who will pray for you. They won't put you on the spot. They'll just say, can I pray for you? What would you like? And just, I don't know, just pray for me, okay? Or pray about this person I'm concerned for, or this situation. All right. Get something to eat. This this army marches on its stomach. Bring your kids out to get something to eat. Put them back into the program with Connie and her amazing crew. Come to Alpha. Sign up for Rooted. You are alive in him, both now and forevermore. Let that story continue to its fullest conclusion in Christ. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine, give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for being in worship today.
0: don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working